gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Today I have my lovely, beautiful, intelligent, and somewhat nearsighted wife, Catherine. So I have Kate here with us, and we thought we would talk about care for old dogs, of which we have Rommel, who was the star of Sporting Dog Adventures, and Pickett, who is 12 years old. Rommel's actually coming up on 15. So Kate is the resident dog care person in our house where she does all the research. So it would be hollow if I tried to tell any of what she does for the dogs. So I've got her on here. So Kate, welcome. Hello. I uh, I love old dogs. Old dogs have a special place in my heart. Um, our old Dixie girl, she lived to be almost 15. Um, Rommel is exactly right now the same age as she was when she passed. He's also getting up there. And Pickett, like Jeff said, is old too. So, um, yep, I definitely am the, the dog food slash supplement slash medication person in the house. And, of course, when you have older dogs, you have a lot more concerns on those three things. A lot more to worry about. So we get asked a lot, you know, how we keep our dogs going as long as we do and what we do for them and things like that. And certainly some of it is luck of the draw. It's just like humans. You might live to be 10. You might be living to 102. Some of it is, you know, completely outside of our control. But if you're lucky enough to get a dog that's starting to get up there in years, there are definitely things you can do to help them out um, in terms of longevity but also quality of life i think that's very important to keep in mind now i have my number one thing i talk to people about all the time and this is when people take a puppy home and that is keeping the dogs at a good weight folks we are a society of obese dogs i understand it's hard for us to lose weight i am constantly in a race to try to outrun my fork But with dogs, it's very easy to measure their food out and only give them so much in their bowl. And what I find is people will think of a weight on a dog in the terms of human sense where, well, my dog's only 10 pounds overweight. You can't think of it that way. You have to think of it as me as an adult male. If I were 20 to 25% overweight, which is what 10% 10 is on a lot of dogs, you are now looking at a dog being, or at a, at a human being, 40 to 50 pounds heavier than they are. It's How a, would you yeah. feel if you ran around? It's about ratios and percentages. So yeah, don't think of 5 or 10 pounds like 5 or 10 pounds on you. Think of it in terms of a ratio or a percentage. And a very small dog, 5 or 10 pounds could be double their body weight. And we hear so much from people when we do sports shows about, my dog's big, I got a 150-pound dog, and they act like they're muscular. And it's like, no, it's just blubber hanging over the muscle. Uh, you have to keep that in consideration. Your breed standard when you are in labs, females should be in that 50 to 60-pound range uh, when they're bred. 
Are there bigger? Yes. Not saying there's not bigger framed females. My first dog was 75 pounds. But males should be in that anywhere from 60 to 75 pound range. If you saw our dogs, they're not small dogs. But they are light as far as the weight that they're at. And that is because we are very, very, we, we are on top of it all the time on their intake. Yep. And the moral of the story here is it's about what you're going to get in terms of yield of longevity. If you keep them a good weight, they're less likely to blow out, you know, ACLs or elbows or break things or have heart problems or things like that, just like people. So if you keep your dog, you know, trim, they're going to live longer than a dog that's constantly been toting around a whole bunch of extra weight, you know, for their whole life. So it'll definitely help with their with their health and their longevity. So that's huge. Um, and as far as their diet goes, I don't, there are a lot of good foods. Pick a good food, stick with that good food, but constantly be mindful of whether the caloric and fat calories in that food are too much or too little, and we constantly tweak it up and down. So if they're getting older and their activity level is getting less, you know, don't feel afraid to cut it back a little bit. The reason I feed the dogs, and I'm consistently the one that feeds the dogs, it's not because Jeff doesn't want to do it or the kids won't help. It's because I'm constantly adjusting the amount. So it doesn't pay for me to sit there and explain, oh, this month I've actually cut Rommel back a quarter cup or whatever. I just do it myself and I make sure I'm doing it, you know, to suit their activity level and things like that. So so that's about the food and the fitness and everything like that. Um now, on to supplements. There are yes. so many things you can give to the dogs oh, gosh. to help them so that they age better. Yep. I think um, one of the biggest mistakes I see and hear from people is they're waiting too long. If you're waiting till your dog is 10 years old to start supplementing, I'm not saying it's not going to help some. Sure, it absolutely will help some. But, geez louise, you should have probably started that a heck of a lot sooner. You know, 10 years old for a dog, especially a large breed dog, is already very old. And again, think of it in human age. I mean, a yeah. dog that is five years old, six years old is a dog that's, you know, in its mid forties. And I will tell you that, uh, being in my mid forties, I am out of warranty and I feel old every day when I get out of bed and do not even want to know what it's going to feel like when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> right. So if you're waiting until your dog is that age, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't do supplements, don't try, but I am saying you're going to have a limited result versus what we do is we basically supplement them their entire lives. Um, we start right when they're conceived with putting the phytovite powder on their food um, and the mothers consume it and then we start it with the pups and we give that to them their entire life on their food. About a tablespoon each meal, just sprinkle it on their food. So there's that. Um, and that does really wonderful things for them in terms of their coat health and everything else. Um, we do the glucosamine and chondroitin chewable tablets on their food. Again, if you're waiting till your dog is 10, I'm not saying it won't help, but it's going to be a lot more limited result than if you were doing it most of their life. And I have all of our, all five of our house dogs are on a glucosamine and chondroitin chewable tablet right now. Um, I also do fish oil. That really helps with their coat, especially if you are a person who owns a dog in a really dry climate, either dry from heat or dry from cold, um, which we kind of have the worst of both here. Yeah, and heat is, honestly, it's, it's your furnace. It's not, yep. We're not talking like you live in Arizona. No. It's, it's a dry heat 
when you're heating your house in the winter. Oh, it's brutal on their coats. They get just so dandruffy and dry and itchy. And so, yeah, we do a fish oil, um, just a fish oil tablet from Walgreens. Nothing special. They usually have them like buy one, get one free. And I just stack up and they chew it right up. I just throw it right in their food. So there's that. That helps with coat health and things like that. Um, and then as they get older, then you kind of have to look and see what kind of problems are they actually having and kind of address those as they come up. So in Rommel's case, Rommel's so old. And we call him Big Pharma because <laughs> of all of the uh, pain medications uh, and yeah. supplements and everything. I always joke that there's actually probably more medications and supplements in his food than kibble. There probably are. So he is on medication um, for, for pain-related issues, which we get from our vet. So you would need to definitely talk to your vet about that and be careful what you choose. Um, some of the pain medications um, can be hard on their kidneys and things like that. So you don't want to try to mitigate one problem and cause another. So definitely speak to your vet. Um, tramadol is a little bit easier on their systems than say like a Rimadol or something like that. So there's that. So there's those things that you can get from your vet to help. Um, we also have uh, started Rommel. We've tried the CBD oil thing. We've jumped on the bandwagon for that. At his age, it's not going to kill him. So if it doesn't hurt him, it will probably help him. And we have noticed he has been perkier. So I'd like to think it is helping. Again, on those type of products, read the back, read the label, see what kind of efficacy is in it, compare multiple products. There are so many um, treat-type CBD products out there that really don't have diddly in them. You're wasting, you're wasting your money. You're, you're just giving them calories in a treat, which they don't need. Like we said earlier, we don't treat our dogs. We measure their food. They don't get treats. Um, so don't waste your money on something that actually has no efficacy, but, uh, he does seem to be doing really, really well on the CBD, uh, capsule that we're giving him once a day. Uh, what else does he get? He gets a product called Antonel, which is really unique. Our vet turned us on to it. It's actually, believe it or not, a probiotic, um, it's not a glucosamine chondroitin type thing, but it actually helps with joint and joint health. It's kind of unique. Uh, we started him on that probably about two years ago, and he gets uh, two morning, two night. So that's been, um, that really helped. That was uh, when he first started to get really arthritic, we, we started supplementing with him with that, and we noticed a, a big increase in his um, ability to move and things like that. And so as he continued to have issues, then we kind of were starting to look for other options. And, most... and his issues are that his back end is just... He's very arthritic in his in his hind legs. It's almost like he has two by fours. Yeah. Uh, they don't really bend anymore. Rommel's, uh, he's is if he was a set of tires, he he would have the the radial belt showing. <laughs> uh, but uh, he still is very with it oh. and naughty in his in his mind, and and he's still with it, um, wit wise. So it was how do we get him so that. He's not suffering because you don't never want him to suffer. No. Um, so that's when we started to look at different things as far as for treatment that uh, I had told the kids, I didn't think he was going to make it through winter, but now he's actually doing really well. Mm -hmm. He is. And then the last thing that we added um, was a product by a company called Summit, uh, S-U-M-M-I-T, Summit Joint Performance. They make products for both canines and horses. And it's actually an injectable form of chondroitin. Um, and since we started that maybe two, three months ago, 
he is really turned a corner in terms of being able to move and walk and just being wild and crazy. And you can tell he feels better. Um, again, it's, it's an injectable, uh, you buy it online on their website, you start with a loading dose and then they have kind of like maintenance doses after that. Um, we're not sponsored by Antonell, by Summit, by any of these companies. We buy these products just the same as you would. So it's nothing like that. It really actually just does help. So, so in our spirit of trying to help people with their dogs, that's why we're here talking about it. But yeah, yeah the Summit product uh, it's an injectable. They also do a uh, like a magnetic pulse treatment uh, that we have a lady that comes by. I know there are different treatments like in a uh, where they where they would put a bunch of uh, probes into the dog and stimulate their their nervous system. Uh, we haven't done that one yet because he's doing so good on the other ones that are much less expensive. So it is it is something that you want to make sure they're comfortable and they have a quality of life you want to make sure they're still with it. And he very much is. So that's why we've put this stuff in. Pickett, on the other hand, he's 12 and he's still going strong. And other than being darn near blind and uh, cannot hear anything, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he's he's doing great. And he, uh, he hasn't needed near the supplements that Rommel has. But then again, he's also three years younger. Which in three years in a lab's life is a huge amount of time. That's like, you know, 30 years or something in a person. So, but... And then there's just like your basic things you can do, obviously. We have those orthopedic pet beds with the big solid piece of foam in them and then the removable washable cover. You definitely want to get a pet bed like that. Those are terrific for them. They should not be laying on the floor. Rommel doesn't jump into a car or jump out no, anymore. No jumping in and out of cars. No jumping up and down off of furniture. If that means you have to shut a room off so that they're not in there trying it, do it. Um, you don't want to come home and have a horrible thing waiting for you when you get home because they tried to jump up or down off of a bed or a couch. And so, Rommel, Rommel, actually, we, we have him in our bedroom only now uh, mm -hmm. because we put a bunch of carpets down. We have hardwood floors. Yep. Having them on the dogs, we have, we don't have carpet. Nope. And uh, we've carpeted the bedroom because the when he was out on the hardwood floors, he would have his back end kind of slide out from underneath them and do the splits. Yeah, he had no traction whatsoever. So we created a little environment and he's kind of like, you know, quarantined, to use that word back there. And he's fine. He, you know, he's older. He's not looking for a whole bunch of activity and action and stimulation. So he's back there. He's comfortable and he is safe. So he can move much better with the carpeted area than he did on these hardwood floors. So there's simple things you can do, you know, other than diet, other than supplementation that will really help improve their lives too. And it's things like that, you know, kind of looking at their environment and seeing what you can do to, to help. So I hope that helps you with your older dog. If you have questions, you can always email us at sportingdogtv at gmail.com and we can try to help you or give you any advice. Next, after the break, we're going to talk about why hunting training is actually great for the family members that don't hunt because of the benefits that you get with obedience training during the hunting training. So stay tuned for that after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Kate is still here. She's going to talk about the benefits of having a dog that goes through a gun dog type training program or is trained for that by the owner as it relates to obedience for the dog because all of your training is basically control training. 
So I will say I train dogs. We train probably about 20 hunting dogs a year. And all of your training is all control. It's a misnomer to say that you're training a dog to hunt. Dogs are bred for hunt to hunt. Dogs are bred with the desires uh, to do these, these chores. They're fun for them and they want to do them. So what we're doing is we're pulling them back and teaching them that they hunt for us as a team. So that translates to them listening well around the house. And Kate can explain that. And I've had the benefit of living here with you with dogs that were both formally trained and ones that were not. And so I, and of course the dogs I, I grew up with, which were definitely not formally trained and the dogs my parents have now. So I've done both. I've had all worlds and you can tell just the most gigantic difference between a dog that has gone through some degree of formal training and one where you basically kind of just put the time into it when you had it, if you had it, and you kind of got what you got. So, yeah, it's a huge misnomer that, you know, you're going to buy this dog and, oh, well, I'm not going to hunt, so there really isn't any point in, you know, paying for any kind of formal training on it. I'll just work with them and get them to do what I need them to do in my free time. First of all, no one has any free time, so that never happens. Um, second, especially if you buy a dog, you know, that has that drive, you really need a way to harness it or they're going to be letting it loose in your house. Um, and you're not going to know how to control that. So um, instead of having, you know, proper training in place to curb behaviors, that dog's going to be just running your house, essentially. So yeah, just obedience training is not rocket science. We also do obedience training here, a three-week program. Uh, we are strong believers in the e-collar, the electric collar, because it works so wonderful, because then you can correct the dog at distance. But you want to make sure that you work with your dog so you can walk with them on a leash so they come when you call them and so that they're going into something when you want them to by giving them a kennel command or a place command. Yep. So those are all good things, whether you're in the field or you're in the house. If I'm trying to get you know, a 60, 70 pound dog to jump into the crate, into my vehicle or to get into my vehicle, I don't want to be fighting with him. I don't want to be struggling with him. We had a friend drop a dog off maybe six months ago or so. It took her, what, 25 minutes to get the dog out of the car. You know, she's wrestling it and yelling at it and tugging on it. And what a debacle, you know, it should be, you know, kennel and that's it, you know, proper training will go a long way. If you're trying to, you know, do something socially with people, you know, maybe once COVID's over or taking them to the store or the park or something like that. And you want them to drop something. You should be able to tell them drop and they drop it or heal and they heal. You know, it's for the people's benefit. It's for other dogs benefits. Absolutely. So that is it for this part of the training tip. Next, we're going to talk about my... I guess, experience in learning that I have done hunting deer toward duck hunting. What I've learned by sitting in a deer stand by some of my duck ponds. So we'll have that after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. For the last part of the show, I wanted to talk about what I have learned this year sitting in a tree stand or in a ground blind waiting for deer but listening to ducks. Now when you watch your TV shows and I'll have to admit even on our TV show you call a lot when you see birds but I had a good number of birds by one of my deer stands this year and I sat and I listened to them and 
I think the number one thing that I took away was I didn't hear much. I sincerely feel that in my hunting, I have overcalled for much of the past. I know everyone has duck calls and you have them and you're like, this is so cool. They're on my neck. I got to use them. I practiced all year and there is a time and place, but at the same time, I guess in my mind, I'm wondering would I kill more ducks if I didn't even call at all. Probably not, but I think I am going to be on the camp of calling about 25 to 50% as much as I used to. So I'm going to have a 50 to 75% reduction in the amount of times I call and more worry about my decoy sets and having things look natural and doing my scouting than trying to scream at the ducks to be like, hey, you come over here. That is just something I'm going to try. Uh, the earlier thing this I tried this year of grouping my decoys, <laughs> the birds actually would land by the proper decoy, uh, according to species. So I'm going to uh, call a lot less, and I honestly think that I'm going to kill a few more ducks. Now, I still got to hit them, which usually isn't a problem for me. So if I want to kill more ducks, what I'm going to have to do is probably get my kids out shooting more because, well, you know, they miss. <laughs> But anyway, I digress. That was just a, a jab because I know my kids listen to the show and I wanted to give them a little chuckle. But call less on a hunt and see how it works. And I guess see what your best, uh, what your best strategy is for you when you're in the field. That's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun Everything you need is here